Good morning, H2O. How are you guys? Merry Christmas. Our last Sunday service before we celebrate Christmas. We hope that you guys are all doing great. My name is Matt Pardee, one of the pastors here. If I haven't got a chance to meet you, good to see all of you that are here. Good to see you through the camera lens of those on the live stream. Uh, even though we are far apart, we uh, continue to think of you and pray for you and uh, appreciate you tuning in today. We're doing a series called Simple Christmas, and today we're talking about the joy of the Lord. What a great message that we have today of thinking about God's joy and God's joy that he wants to give us that comes from him and how important and relevant it is in the midst of everything going on in our lives that we have joy. It's been a struggle for me. I'll be honest. With everything going on in life, it can become very serious, uh, very intense, very somber, and, and all that's going on, it is a battle. And I'm a person, kind of the high eye guy on the, on the disc test that likes to have fun, likes to laugh, likes to smile. And I will tell you, in these last few months, even being up here as a pastor preaching and not seeing your faces and not seeing your smiles, you look angry at me every Sunday. That's what it feels like. And so I have to mentally overcome that when I only see people's eyes and you're trying to get those nonverbals, especially the Zoom calls. And you guys, I'm sure you're not feeling much warmth through the camera. And definitely coming back this way, it would be like going on a honeymoon with your wife and only emailing each other, okay? Not very romantic and not very personable. And that is tough for me because... Uh, if I don't hear the laughter and I see the smiles, I think my jokes are bombing. It's pretty tough. So you're going to have to smile big with your eyes and laugh this morning. But this year has been rough, and there is a lot to sort through in order to have the joy of the Lord. Thinking about Jesus being born in a manger, the pain that Mary was going through on this trip to Bethlehem, and being born in a manger, in a stall, in a barn, that's pretty crazy that God would choose to do it that way. What was he saying? What's going on there? Why the pain and the struggle and the stench of a barn for our majestic God? That's kind of crazy, isn't it? But does that kind of just demonstrate life? That out of pain and out of the, the, the messy things of life, our Savior is born. Thinking about these messy situations, I was thinking about my daughter, Bella, who has a horse. I've mentioned this before. She's really into horses, and her horse is in a stall, and part of her wages there is Mary Lynn and Bella go over there and clean stalls all the time. They go over there, and they've got either the sawdust that they're putting in there or straw. They put the straw down, and they eat the hay. I got to get that straight. It's not hay and straw. It's not the same thing. Thank you for laughing. And uh, they go over there to sort through this. And every once in a while, I will go over and help. And it's not a fun job. It's not an enjoyable job. But I love being with my daughter. And what you do, you go over there and you sort out what? The crap that you don't want. But you have to leave the valuable things of the sawdust or the straw because that's valuable. That costs money. So she shows me, okay, you got this pitchfork thing, but the tines are a little closer and you're picking up the stuff from the horses, the dung, and you're shaking it. You're sifting it so that the sawdust or the straw stays in the bed where the horses are. That's the good stuff so that you can remove the things you don't want and put it in the wheelbarrow to take it away and dump it. And it's hard work. And you don't want to be, you know, you don't want to be careless in that because you want to get all the bad stuff out and then you want to make sure you're leaving the good stuff. 
And that hard work of sifting is something we have had to navigate as Christians in this world this year. There are great things happening. Things we want to hold on to. Things we want to keep. The gospel itself and everything that we're talking about in the Christian message brings joy and happiness and and just glee. And we sing these songs because there is incredible good news. But is that just easy for me to experience? No. Is it easy for you? No. Because we've got to do some sifting to get out the stuff from this world that's happened to us that could make us discouraged, depressed, anxious, full of fear, upset and angry and just, you know, just just ticked off at everything that's going on because it's not going the way we want. We can't live in that. We've got to sift it out and get it out of our lives so that we can treasure the Christmas message that God is so in love with us. He's pursued us. And that, that creates an incredible joy in our hearts. Here's the big idea today. Rejoice. And don't let the world steal your joy. If you don't have the spiritual discipline of sifting out what the world is throwing at you, it will steal your joy even at Christmas. With all this fun and going on and all these good things, it's just going to leave us empty if we're not understanding this relationship with Christ, rejoicing in the Lord, and really treasuring this gospel message. Let's look at the, the, this first story here in Luke chapter 2 to see how these shepherds were navigating us and what this spiritual message was for them so that they could have joy and sift out what was not uh, a part of God's story for them. So here we go. Verse 8. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, but they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. So here we are. These shepherds are out just doing their own thing, doing what, what shepherds do. Normal guys, probably the normal you know, highs and lows of life. And all of a sudden, this miraculous thing happens where these angels come with this message from God. And what's their first emotion? Terror. They're afraid. Oftentimes in the Bible, when there's a, a miraculous moment like this, or this God shows up, or these angels show up with a message from God, there's terror, there's awe. And they often say, don't be afraid, because they know that first, uh, that first emotion, that they don't want to be a part of it. No, this isn't something to be terrified of. This isn't something to be afraid of, to be anxious about. There's actually great news here that will bring joy. Then there's this other interesting paradox here. This Savior that they've been waiting for, the Jewish people that had prophesied about Messiah, they knew that this anointed one was coming, the Lord that was going to save them from their sins and be their Redeemer. He's finally here. And guess what? He's in a barn. What? Yeah, he's in a barn. He's laying in a trough. Wow, that's really crazy. You will find this baby in a barn wrapped in clothes, lying in a trough. 
and off they go to witness this amazing thing. You know, encounters with God in our own lives, sometimes they bring fear. But he comes with great news that causes joy. I hope that there's no fear or anxiety in your life right now as you think about a relationship with God. Many times we're drifting from God. Many times we want to hide from God. Many times we're, we're worried about that vulnerability. For whatever reason, there's fear that maybe God isn't going to show up or he isn't going to encourage you or you're not going to experience that intimacy that the Bible talks about. And we go through these dry periods of time, we think, man, I don't want to spend time with God. I just, I have this feeling. That happens a lot. It's a frequent thing. Even these people encountered different emotions. But as we just remember the word that God's coming with good news, he wants to love you. He's pursuing you. He wants to encourage you. It is going to bring joy to your life. So why should we have joy in the midst of this crazy year. Here's number one. Why should we be joyful? Number one, God went a long way to give us a joyful heart. This holy God, this majestic God, went so far out of His way so that you could have a joyful heart today. He's been pursuing you. It says in Ephesians, before the foundations of the world, He's been pursuing you. The story of the Bible is over and over again, God pursuing rebellious people. As the Israelites failed time and time again, God kept going back to them and said, if you would just come back to me, I would love you. I would forgive you. He's caring about us. In the New Testament, in Luke chapter 16, Jesus tells these three parables about the lost coin and the lost sheep and the lost son. Jesus cares about lost people and he's pursuing them. When the coin and the, the sheep are found, there's celebration. There's rejoicing. What happens in the parable when the son comes back, the prodigal son? What does the father do? He runs to him. God is running toward us. He loves us. We just did a series on Ruth. Here was Ruth, this foreigner, this outsider in poverty. And Boaz represents Christ, the Redeemer. You are welcomed into this relationship with God. Back to Luke chapter 2. Don't be afraid. They said to the shepherds, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Let me just camp out there for just a moment. These angels were proclaiming, I'm bringing you good news that will create joy for all people. Are you and I included in that today? Yeah, we are. But are we partaking of it? How's your joy today? Be honest before God. Be honest with the people around you. God has gone out of his way to give this great gift. And it's supposed to cause great joy for all the people. You know, when Mary Lynn and I go Christmas shopping, I'm sure that all of you can appreciate this. You think about that person Maybe you spend some money that's sacrificial because you want them to enjoy the gift, especially as a parent. Like, all, I don't even want anything for Christmas. The, the joy of a, a parent is watching your kids open stuff and just be like, yes, this is awesome. You know, that's what it's all about. 
But even if you're not a parent, I'm sure you're buying a gift for someone or you've bought a, a gift for a friend or a family member. And maybe you've stretched the pocketbook a little bit like, wow, this is kind of expensive. I really hope they like this. I mean, that's, a, that's kind of a big part of our Christmas to demonstrate this sacrificial love. And what do you think as they're opening it? Man, I hope they like this. God has given us an amazing gift. His own son. So that you might have provided for you the most important thing in your life, the forgiveness of sins. That you might know, man, all these dumb things I've done, all these rebellious things, all these moments of selfishness can be wiped away through Christ. And when I die, I can be assured I'm going to be with this God for all eternity, even though I don't deserve to be here. What a gift. Can you imagine God giving that gift? He's thinking, are they going to like it? Are they going to open it and get it? Is it going to create a joy in the hearts of all the people? And we know sadly in this world what happens. Many of them don't even know there's a gift. Many of them open it and they don't care. Many of them open it and just throw it to the side for the next thing. And they don't receive it with joy. Let's be the people that are so excited that we get it. You open that. You experience God. You experience this relationship with Jesus. And our hearts overflow with joy. But it's tempting to hide. I think back to the, the Garden of Eden. I want to talk about the Garden of Eden and the, and the Garden of Gethsemane. And what they have in, in, in a similar way here is the very first sin. Adam and Eve rebel away from God. They're in this beautiful relationship with Him. It would bring great joy to be in this intimate relationship with God, but they walk away from it. And what is their first response after they sin? They hide. They hide from God. The very thing he wanted, the number one thing he wanted, intimacy, they hide from God. And God comes pursuing them and says, why are you hiding? They said, we're afraid. We realized we're naked. We feel vulnerable. We feel isolated from you. And we do the same thing. You fast forward to this other garden, Gethsemane. Jesus is in the garden. He's getting ready to face the cross and he's in, 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 in sweat and tears before he goes to the cross, knowing the physical agony that he's going to be going through, knowing the spiritual agony that he's going through. And we're still talking about this pursuit of God, God coming to Adam and Eve in the garden. And now Jesus in the garden is saying, we're pursuing this people. Is there any other way for us to be back with these people? Is there any other way to be reconciled with mankind than, than me going to the cross? Father, please take this cup from me. Is this the only way? We know the answer was yes. You and I are not going to cover our own sins. Only the blood of the perfect lamb, Jesus, Acts 4, 12. There's salvation in no one else. There is no other name under heaven that has been given to man by which we must be saved. Jesus said, I'll take that cup. I will demonstrate this pursuit. It says it so beautifully in Hark the Herald, one of the lyrics, mild he lays his glory 
by. Born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. Jesus laid aside his glory of heaven. The beauty and the perfection of heaven. He said, I'll come, I'll come down to this barn to be born. Why? So that you and I don't have to die spiritually and pay for our own sins. That's why we celebrate Christmas. Please don't miss that. That's why we celebrate Jesus' birth. He was born that we might spiritually live. Born to raise the sons of earth. That's us. Born to give us second birth. Every one of us was born physically with our mother. But the second birth is what really matters. Are you born again? Do you have that new life in Jesus Christ? A spiritual rebirth. A new life in Christ. That is why we have an incredible joy. We know the gift. We've opened the gift. We've received the gift. And man, we know this is it, man. This is the best thing in this world. Nothing else in this world is as valuable as that. You can take the rake and shake it and get rid of everything else in this world because that's the treasure. Our second reason why we should be so joyful today is that we should be joyful because we will see God. Wow, what a hope. The promise of the Bible is that if you've asked Jesus Christ in your life and you're a follower of him, as bad as this world gets, at the end when you die and stand before God, he's going to say, come on in, you're covered. We will see God. And I mean this second point that we should be joyful because we'll see God. I don't just mean when we die, even though that's the glory and that's the destination, but you and I have the Holy Spirit right now. We can see God today. We can see something with our spiritual eyes that the eyes of our hearts might be enlightened that we might see what this means to be in a relationship with God. We can have spiritual eyes to see that today that many people don't see I love this passage in John chapter 16 that we're going to read. And just to kind of give you the context, John 15, 16, and 17, Jesus is explaining the Trinity. Now, it's pretty hard to understand the Trinity, right? What a beautiful mystery of, of the three in one. But in 15, 16, and 17, you kind of get some Trinity theology here, and the disciples aren't understanding it. And he's saying, I'm going to leave so that the Holy Spirit can come. I'm going to go, and you're not going to see me. I'm actually going to be killed, but I'll be resurrected. But then I'm going to go away again, but I'll always be with you. Wow, Jesus, we're not understanding you. We're just fishermen. What are you talking about? And he's explaining this to them. Let's pick it up in 16, verse 19. Jesus saw they wanted to ask him about this. So he said to them, Are you asking one another what I meant when I said, In a little while you'll see me no more, and then after a little while you'll see me? Very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. Wow. Let me say that again. I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth, he gives this little analogy here. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away 
your joy. Man, that we would be people like that. Nobody's going to take my joy. Jesus said, I'm going, I'm I'm going to the cross. I'm going to die on this cross. And you know what the world's going to be doing? They're not going to be shedding a tear. They're going to be celebrating. They're going to be celebrating evil. Isn't that true today? We have a world that celebrates evil, that ridicules God, that ridicules the things of God, that hates the things of God. And it causes us to weep and mourn, and it's painful, and it's difficult. The world is going against us. And Jesus says, no, take heart. There's pain and there's grief, but we're going to celebrate. Jesus is going to win. said, man, just think about the pain of childbirth. You women that have given birth, I don't know how you do it. It's incredible. It doesn't even make sense. Explain that to a child where babies come from, and they don't believe you. How's that possible? This pain of childbirth is forgotten quickly. Why? Because of the love of the new child. The pain leads to joy. There's pain in this world right now. And maybe everything that happened this year should be a huge arrow pointing us to heavenly things, shouldn't it? It's like, yeah, this is a broken world. There's disease, and there's crime, and there's hatred, and there's division. And there's all these things going on, and we should be receiving this spiritual message. Yeah, this world has nothing for me. But it's going to lead to a birth, a beautiful thing, a beautiful opportunity to have joy. It's pointing to heaven. It's pointing to our relationship with God. Nothing in this world can give joy like experiencing a personal encounter with God. You know, sometimes I think uh, this world is like a really bad white elephant gift exchange. You ever been at one of those, the white elephant gift exchange, where it's like, hey, let's not buy anything. Let's grab something you don't really want in your house. You know, uh, don't spend over five bucks. And if you think of like the worst one you've been to, you're bringing just junk that you don't want. And you kind of put a nice little package on it and you put it in the middle and you just kind of know like they open it and they're just like, oh, would someone please steal this? You know, and you just know like I'm bringing something that's of very little value and they don't appreciate it either. Isn't that kind of how the world is? We're all trying to exchange these worldly physical things that kind of bring us some temporary happiness, but we really don't have much to offer. And the things that are received, it's very temporal. There's no value in it. And we're all just trying to be satisfied with these lousy gifts that pale in comparison to the gift. The greatest gift. You know, just thinking about back to just this joy and how it has been a struggle for me this year and I know for many of you, um, that 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 need for play and that need for fun and that need for laughter in my life is pretty high. And so just a lot of things that have been disappointing kind of just wound you and they're tough. And And it reminds me back to when I was early uh, on in my Christian life, this seriousness that was on me and this somberness. And what happened was when I came to BGSU, I became a Christian and uh, it was just all so exciting having this relationship with Jesus. But I had so many sinful things in my life that it, it, it kind of was just overwhelming. 
a lot of mistakes in my life, a lot of bad sinful habits, a lot of bad sinful thoughts, and just kind of my mind, my heart, and my actions were just so contrary to God that it was just very hard for me to just learn how to grow. And I always felt like I was way behind all the other Christians in my life because I just felt like I was just a, a very carnal person. So the Holy Spirit's now inside and you're just awakened to all this stuff. and like, wow, I'm really behind. I, I've got a lot of junk in my life. And it just became too somber and too serious. And I kind of just emphasize that less, you know, uh, those things less than the the love and the joy of God. And I remember going home, I think it was a Christmas break early on in college, and I was just trying to share with my family and having some spiritual conversations. And kind of in a braggadocious way, I wanted my family and my mom even to know like how much I'd changed. And I asked her point blank, like, haven't you seen how much I've changed? Like, can't you see what Jesus is doing in my life? And I'll never forget this. It was really helpful and profound, but, but tough. She said, yeah, I see a change. You don't laugh anymore. Oh, wow. It was a punch in the gut, but like a really wise, good punch in the gut. And I remember coming back to saying, man, what is happening to me? This is what people see in my life, this serious Christian. You know, just the desire to be holy. You know, I, of course that's good, but it was just, there was no joy and there's no more laughter in my life. And it really made me reflect on this topic of joy. Yeah, where's that light-hearted, childish trust in my life? And I focused in on that, and I read this quote that I thought really helped a lot. Reverend Dr. Gary Furr, and he's talking about this in the, in the book, The Lord of the Dance. He says this, to play is to live in a childish trust again. And therein is why play is such a problem. Too many of us who are adults have been poked, wounded, and hammered by life in all its pain and sorrow, somewhere along the way, like David when he was ridiculed by his wife, Michal, for dancing in his ephod, we stopped dancing and laughing. Life is serious business. We danced and someone laughed and we were ashamed. The result, we take ourselves far too seriously. I feel like that's a lot of our story this year. A lot of us came to Christ, that childish trust, that childlike faith that Jesus talks about. It makes our hearts light. Things are going to be okay. Maybe it leads us to dance. Maybe it leads us to smiles. And everything this year hides the smiles. It hides the dancing. It says, don't be joyful. There are serious things going on and they can attack our joy. This is why we need the Lord. Don't go through this Christmas season and just have your joy snuffed out. One of the books that kind of always reminded me of this, this childlike faith in Christ, and I know it's not a Christian book, but I kind of made it one, is one I've read over and over again as a kid and then later on in life, and it's this, here's the front cover, The Giving Tree. I don't know how many of you have read this book or or love this book, but it's it's just so wonderful. And kind of the story is this. It just seems so fitting for us. Is this boy, in my mind, and not, not according to the author, I'm sure, but this boy represents us, and this giving tree represents God. And in the beginning of this book, this boy just plays. He enjoys the tree, and it says the tree enjoyed him. There was fellowship. There was relationship. 
It was just beautiful. But as the boy gets older, he starts wanting things. He starts wanting things of the world that choke out his relationship with the tree. He comes back and says, well, I need money now. So he takes all the apples and just goes on his way and forgets the relationship. Later on in life, he comes back again. He says, well, I need something else. He, he takes off all the branches and goes and, and builds something, missing the relationship. Finally, at the end, he comes back and he wants to build a boat and sail away, and he cuts the tree down all the way to a stump, trying to fulfill that satisfaction inside of him. All of it leaves him empty. He finally comes back. He says, I'm an old man. All I want to do is sit. And the tree says, a stump is good for sitting. And he sits on the stump, and the tree says he's happy. Isn't that a beautiful example of us? In the busyness of life, in the materialistic world that we live in, the things that we need to satisfy us, and the entertainment, and the food, and the, the, the pleasures of life, and money, and just all these things, they make us forget the most important thing, just the relationship. And I'll tell you, I've said it so many times, the, the relationship is the best part of this world. That's the best joy in my life. Not being here with you, which is wonderful, and singing songs, you know, or, or doing things in community, or, or the Christmas tree and the presents and all the other glamour and things that we do. It's wonderful. But spend time with Jesus over break. John 16, 22 again. So with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again. And you will rejoice. And no one will take away your joy. When Jesus says, I'll see you again, would you see him again this week? Would you take some time alone with God this week? Would you schedule that out? Would you say, man, I know it's all busy with the family. I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to go read. I'm not going to get out of bed and go down right away and just hang out with the family. I'm going to stay in my room with Jesus. I'm going to read the Christmas story. I'm going to reread Romans 8. I'm going to read through some Psalms and Proverbs, and I'm just going to let the delight of the Lord encourage me. See Jesus over this break. He's waiting for you. He's pursuing you. He's passionate about you. He loves you. We talk a lot about like the world tries to give us happiness, but here's what real joy is. See Jesus this Christmas season by spending time with the one who loves you. That's your application. That's your homework. And that's your takeaway. He's waiting. He wants you to enjoy that gift. Please don't discard that gift and set it aside for the next thing because it's everything. It's what we treasure and it's what we pray for you. Let's pray for that. Lord, thank you so much for this moment to remember the greatest treasure, the greatest gift ever given to mankind, your only son, Jesus, who willingly came to earth to die for our sins and be resurrected again to prove that he is God. What a great treasure. Lord, we treasure that in our hearts. Lord, we know that this world has really nothing to offer us but lousy white elephant gifts. 
Lord, they leave us empty. We open them up and we're kind of just disappointed. Lord, let us sift through those things and set them aside and come to the big present under the tree. You. God, give us your mercy. Give us your reminder. Fill us with your spirit that we would get alone with you and read. We would get alone with you and pray. We would get alone with you and read the Christmas story and let our hearts just just build up with joy that we're going to see you again. This is not the final destination. Everything that's happened this year does not define who we are. And Lord, we are going to rise up and we are not going to let it steal our joy because our joy is an immovable, unrelenting truth. Your pursuit of us. Lord, we say together, we want to let you catch us. If anybody here is running, if anybody here is apathetic, Lord, give us that, give us that nudge. Give us that mercy to step toward you. Nothing more important for us to celebrate Christmas this season, to be in a warm embrace with you. We love you, we praise you, we celebrate you, and we are so thankful for what you have done for us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.